Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. While the world seemingly inches closer to collapse every single day, the 20s have done at least one thing, right? For three straight years, we've had some terrific new music to listen to as it all goes to hell. There were plenty of awesome albums that came out in 2022, so put on your noise-canceling headphones and get ready to hit like on your streaming service because the great pop culture debate panelists are going to tell you about our picks for the best music of 2022. Oh shit, my alarm's going off. That means it's bad bitch o'clock, it's thick 30, and it's about damn time I start this show. I'm your host, Eric Resniak. Please help me welcome my amazing panel. If having wet legs is wrong, then she doesn't want to be dry. It's Andrea Guerrero. Eric, just so you know, I will be recording the entirety of this podcast from my Shea Lounge. Mm, and would you like us to assign someone to butter your muffin? It'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you. It's so filthy. I love it. You won't break his soul. It's Gary Jackson. Oh, yes, baby. She is here. She's ready to do some musicality with you. Mm, release your stress. Release your mind. Release your job. Uh, Ow, and his, bam, bam. Yes. And his Spotify wrapped is essentially a Taylor Dane greatest hits album. It's Johnny Minogue. Fun fact, it also smells like Aquanet and Benetton perfume. Ooh, take me back. <laughs> mm, your Aquanet reference is taking me higher. No, literally, the fumes are hitting me like poppers. I'm not complaining. So our best of episodes are a little different than our usual format. No polls, no brackets, barely even any debating. Our panelists are just going to do a pop culture show and tell of our individual top three albums for the year. These could be from any genre whatsoever. LPs, EPs, digital only, vinyl, no one cares. If it was new music released in 2022, it was up for grabs. Do you disagree with some of our picks? Do you want to add some of your own favorites to the discussion? Head to great popculturedebate.com and leave a comment on this episode or find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Mastodon, Hive, Facebook. God knows what else will be out by the time this episode is released. But with that out of the way, let's get to the top threes. I'm going to start in alphabetical order, and that means Andrea's up first with her first pick. What do you got? My first pick is the uh, wonderful Bjork album, Fasora, which Bjork defines as she who digs. I believe it's Latin, probably. Um, but one of the reasons why I love this album is if if you wanted a Bjork album, this is the Bjorkiest of Bjork albums within the last decade, easily. It's so wonderful. It feels like an orchestral interpersonal therapy session, but in a very good and positive way. Um, it's deeply emotional and personal, just like Bjork is in general. Um, but I think it's a little bit more heavy handed in an honest way, unlike some of her past albums, which are generally filled with a lot of metaphors and layers, whereas this one is very much to the point. Um, it's so lush and everything that she does, including on this album, is just so intentional 
down from the negative spaces that she leaves to the dissonance and the clarinets and the oboes, all the woodwinds in this album. And I really just want to see this album performed with like her and like a three piece choir and like a quartet of woodwinds with a few percussionists, because that's really all that is on this album. And I think it would just make a really beautiful live performance. Um, It's full of themes of matriarchy and motherhood. Uh, I've read that some people have kind of compared it as a eulogy to her mother who died a few years ago. Mm. And Bjork is in her 40s and she has older kids that are like 14 or 15. And so just wrestling with a lot of those concepts of what being a mom is, how you deal with the grief and the loss of your own mother, uh, those feelings that come along with it. Um, My favorite song from the album is called Ancestress, which is the probably the pivotal eulogy to her mother. um, And it's coming to terms with the end. And there's a couple of lines that I really love in that album or that song where she says she had an idiosyncratic sense of rhythm, dyslexia, the ultimate free form, which I think is a really funny line, but it's also a very sweet way to honor her mother. Um, But even with all the heaviness and emotional nuance to it, it's still just a very interesting and fun album to listen to. Do you know if she is going to be touring to support it with that type of a band that you mentioned or? I have no idea. I'm, I think she's been pretty locked down since 2019. Um, She was already like a very isolated person. Like her house is like literally on an Island and that's all that's on the Island is her house. It's just her, off of the coast of Iceland somewhere. Um, yep. But if she is trying with the album, I will gladly fly to Iceland to go see it performed. I hear it's beautiful there. Um, has anybody else listened to the Bjork album? I haven't, but it sounds like she's going, it's oh so quiet in every single aspect of her life. Um, I haven't really listened to anything of her since Vespertine, um, but I'm interested to see if you're, it's, it's very Bjorky. I'm interested in seeing where she's been in the last few years. What was her last album before this? How long has it been? I believe it was Utopia, um, maybe like four years ago. Yeah. It, it. I think it's so interesting how the pandemic gave some artists a much longer break than I think they probably would have had otherwise and how that's transformed their music. I'm seeing a lot of really thoughtful, contemplative stuff coming out now. they like us, they went through the shit and now it's a completely different album than they probably would have made had it not happened, right? Um, it's kind of fascinating. Gary, have you listened to it at all or no? I have not, but just from Andrew, you describing it, especially like the instrumental part of it, I think that is what's intriguing to me. Um, I agree with Eric. I think uh, it seems like this is more thoughtful from what you're describing it, Andrea, and just Bjork's journey. Um, but I'm intrigued by it. And I think I definitely want to check it out. And I will say the album cover is absolutely stunning. Just like gag. Oh, wrong. All of the, the fungus and like the vaporwave colors. It's, it's just so Bjork. Everything about the album is just so Bjork and it's wonderful. And I love her and she can do no wrong. 
Yeah, we celebrate her. So thank you. Great first pick, Andrea. Um, speaking of albums called Utopia, my first pick, and I realized right before recording this, I actually don't know how this band is pronounced. I always pronounced it St. Lucia, but it could be St. Lucia. And uh, it is St. Lucia's Utopia. Has anyone? Does anyone know if that's the way that you pronounce that, this act? Does anybody know this act? Johnny, I feel like it may be up your alley. Oh, you, you uh, pronounce it uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines. That's how you pronounce it. thank you very nice um i'm going to go with saint lucia if you're listening to this and you're actually saint lucia i'm very sorry but i struggled to settle on a third pick for this year not because there were no good options there are actually too many good options but i wanted to give something with a little bit different flavor than my other two picks and i landed on utopia by electro pop band saint lucia I've loved this band for nearly a decade at this point, ever since Elevate and Dancing on Glass smashed into my Spotify recommendations. And the subsequent two albums, Matter and Hyperion, are loaded with driving bangers. So I had high hopes for Utopia, their first album in four years. Again, a a recurring theme here. Initially released earlier in the year as Utopia 1 with only six songs, and then re-released again in the fall as just Utopia with 13 songs, including the six from Utopia 1. I was initially confused and felt slightly burned for having paid for the initial EP. Yes, I'm that sucker who still actually pays for music because I want to support the artists I love. But I couldn't stay mad at this for long because it's a terrific album. Separate World is the band doing what it does best, blasting, soaring synth melodies over verses that ratchet up the energy until it all crescendos into a great cathartic boom. One of the initial singles, Rocket on My Feet, was instantly added to my Strut in That Ass playlist. You cannot deny those hooks, Mama. I was... Johnny, you remember fashion television, Ani, in the 90s. You know what I'm talking about. The opening credits... That is how I feel listening to this song. I am tall. I am thin. I am beautiful. I am giving it to you. It's such a great song. Uh, And then the subsequent single, Touch, has an infectious retro futuristic groove. Every song is good. And the album includes some softer sides of St. Lucia that I appreciated hearing kind of this long into their career. It sounds weird, but it's also a great driving album. There's lots of different levels to it. And just as you slip into one groove, it shifts into a completely different gear. For me, this was a highly satisfying listen. It's a a terrific return for a band that I've missed for the past few years. And if you've never listened to them, you like electro pop, you like um, driving anthems that just get you going. The the lyrics are not exactly going to change your life. Let me say that. Sorry if I'm offending anyone, but like it's music that grabs you and transports you. And St. Lucia does that really, really well. So has anyone here heard of St. Lucia? Uh, Gary? I have not actually. I recommend I, checking them out, Johnny. I've heard. I've heard them. Um, I'll go with Saint Lucia. What the hell? Just sure. to like, just to make let's sure. Let's hedge our every, bets. Let's hedge our bets. It's got to yep. be one of the two of them. Um, yep. I actually have heard Saint Lucia before, um, and I actually really enjoyed them. I kind of forgot that they were around. It's been a number of years since all the songs that came out, like uh, Dancing on Glass Mm -hmm. and Love Somebody. It's been a while since that, so I kind of forgot about it, but it's not that I have had an issue with it. Um, I would love to hear this um, going forward. I kind of feel like I've been in a bit of a kind of, not a rut, I've just been listening to the same few things over and over again, so I think that this will be something I'll add to my playlist in the new year. 
start with rocket on my feet, go to separate way. Uh, oh, and by the way, uh, thank you for m- reminding me, me. Um, we're actually going to put together a playlist on Spotify with three picks from each of the albums that we're nominating, as well as one song each from each of our honorable mentions. So as I say, oh, find them. Don't bother finding them. Go right to greatpopculturedebate.com. Go to our playlist section. It's going to be right there for you. Look at how much we give, we give, we give until it hurts. So anyway, thank you very much. With that, I'll turn it over to Gary for his first pick. What do you got for us? Yes, but first, there's nothing wrong with giving. Eric, mm-hmm. some of us are givers, I'm... some of us are takers. Exactly. <laughs> um, my first pick is Kendrick Lamar's uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. And this album is an album that came out of um, during the... COVID time as well. So just going back to kind of the theme that we're talking about of um, artists really having time to just breathe and pause. And what I love about this album is that it is con- like a, a concept album for him um, within the black community in general, like with toxic masculinity. This is the album that I think Kendrick really tackles it, like talks about, Men need to go to therapy. Black men in particular need to be in therapy. And this album is his journey through therapy. Um, it reflects on his life um, experiences during, during therapy. Um, it weaves through themes in his childhood um, and generational trauma, um, infidelity. And then just, I think, the concept of us being so putting celebrities on this pedestal. Um, he really, really dives into that in like this raw, um, raw way. Um, this album is very explicit, so I'll just say that. So, um, but it really is unapologetic. And obviously, if you know Kendrick Lamar, he's won a Pulitzer for um, a previous album. Um, so he's an incredible, incredible writer, uh, lyricist. Um, but what I do love about this album is that the style, the genre, it touches on such things as like jazz, um, R&B, trap music, and then soul music. And it really, he does such a fine job on each track, just weaving in and out of each of those genres. So it gives you, it gives a, the, the listener something to listen to if you're not into like trap music. You know, there's a song that's soulful, you know. Um, and then just going to the other side of like why I think this album is, such an incredible album is that uh, it was met with positive reviews uh, from critics. It um, was top of the Billboard 200. It is Kendrick's fourth album to reach number one, um, which is a feat for mainstream rap and it's conscious rap um, at that. Um, And he's received eight uh, nominations at the Grammys Awards for the 65th that's coming up um, for best rap album and album of the year. And so I just think that yeah, he really, really kind of is very vulnerable in a way that I don't think a lot of rappers and rap genre give space for. Um, and then one of my favorite songs on the album is, I believe it's called uh, We Love, is with um, I was Taylor, Taylor Thompson, something like that. But it is based about toxic relationships and they just fight in the video, like really, really like harsh to each other and then they make up and by make up they have sex and it just shows like that pattern and but it's so real um and so that is my first pick for um best album of 2022 
Excellent. Johnny, I see you nodding your head. Have you listened to the album? I haven't, but I've been appreciating some of Kendrick's work on other people's tracks, and I've really started to appreciate. And he has a he has a conscious soul that is kind of which is very kind of refreshing in hip hop sometimes. Um, especially, I feel like this having something that's almost a little bit more like have have a almost a folk music uh, idea about how to how to songwrite and how to tell a story that he does in a very compelling way. So um, I haven't listened to this particular track, but with everything that Gary talks about, I think it's, it might be between Kendrick and Beyonce at, at for album of the year this year. So we'll cut. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Andrea, have you listened to it? I have. I I do love Kendrick. He's been one of my favorite artists to come up with in the last decade easily. Um, and just to echo what Gary had said about switching up genres and it's different from track to track. One of my favorite things that he did on this album was he brought in Beth Gibbons from Portishead mm. on one of his tracks, which is like the funniest combination of people <laughs> to me, but it's, it's an amazing track. And, uh, he does such a good job when he collaborates with people, uh, giving them the space to be featured on the track and to still showcase his own talents. Fabulous. Well, thank you, Gary. Terrific first pick. Uh, I will turn it over for our final round one pick to Johnny Minogue. Okay. So my first pick the, this year is Wet Tennis by Sophie Tucker. Um, so if you don't know who Sophie Tucker is, it's not the early 20th century actress, singer, Sophie Tucker. Damn she it. long. She's long dead. Long I thought it was dead. a seance album. Oh well, we could make it into one. That'll be yeah. the third. That'll be the third album. That'll be yeah. the the B side. That's um, dry tennis. Very dry. Kind of like your vagina. Vagina. <laughs> I, I still can't. I still can't. I can't. I can't I'm do sorry. it. I can't. I've tried. I've had drag queens try to teach me. It doesn't work. Anyway, moving along. Um, so they're most famous for uh, some tracks in 2017, 2018. One uh, best friend ended up on an iPhone X ad that kind of rocket them to stardom. They have a very interesting kind of house pop um melange of different of different sounds uh, he's tucker halperin who's the dj he's he's a former basketball player he's a brookline massachusetts uh resident or at least grew up there so i appreciate that um sophie holly, holly weld she's one of the sing she's a singer songwriter she's coming from much more international backgrounds um so wet tennis it's it's 35 minutes of dreamy house pop tracks and it's got interspliced with tropical music um, in, in percussion instruments, Middle East inspired vocals. There's a track hold where the first part of the song is the Muslim call to prayer that is then put over a really thumping house track, but it's not something that's just going to be unt, unt, unt. it's thought out. It's beautiful. It's thoughtful, but it's also kind of, it's also kind of funny. Tuck has this very, deep bass timbre in his voice that's sexy but also a little funny at the same time it's so it's the wet tennis that makes me think when i'm watching carlos alcaraz when he's playing um at wimbledon if you don't know google trust me it's worth it <laughs> um it's like the album feels like i'm drinking a sea breeze at a cheek bar on south beach on a breezy warm night that is all of the tracks there are some my favorite is a collaboration with Turkish DJ Mamet Waran called Forgive Me. Again, it adds in some of that Middle Eastern um, influence just from 
the cellos and the background music um it's dreamy it's almost kind of like an ofra haza backing track it's haunting but it's beautiful um and then there's a track called larry bird which is literally tuck's dad talking about a 1988 three-point shootout with larry bird but you know what let's throw it over a beat and then add tuck going Larry Bird at the very yes. end of it. It's it's kind of something they would have heard at like Limelight in like the late nineties. It's it, it, it's amazing. Oh, you've heard this? You've heard this album before? I actually listened to the album, and I, I swear I'm going to let you. Fin- I'm going to let you finish, Taylor. But um, Sophie Tucker had the best song of the year. No, um, that song came on, and everybody knows the Duck Sauce song barbara streisand and this mm-hmm. is the like dude bro version of barbara streisand i know nothing about sports i would never pret- i don't want to know anything about sports but i'm listening to larry bird and i was just like oh this larry bird sure does seem like a pretty interesting fellow <laughs> like it's it's genuinely interesting it is um, true oh, it's like follow carlo Alcaraz. he's that's the that's the, the that'll get you interested in sports at least tennis <laughs> that will give you wet tennis but <laughs> a- anyway it's I've I have enjoyed them from the moment go from the first time I've ever heard them. It's just fun. It is interesting, and it, they have a type of house pop music that nobody else has or even does, and it's quintessential, one hundred percent Sophie Tucker. Yeah, I, it, so I, I listened to the album because you'd been talking it up from back when you nominated it for Culture Club, which sidebar, if you are not following us on social media, and mostly we have been doing this on the Bird app, and I'm not entirely sure. I guess we're moving that mostly to Mastodon now. But every Saturday, our panelists nominate the things that they're loving in pop culture that week, TV shows, movies, albums. And so like, yes, we do these bests at the end of the year, but you could have been in the know months ago, honey, if you were following Culture Club. He nominated this the the week that it came out. So I listened to it. That first song is really kind of disarming because it does not sound like anything else on the album. I was like, oh, this is going to be a journey. Um, But then after you get through that, like, initial rough, like, very aggressive sounding cocky is what it's called, I think. Yeah, it's cocky. And it's also in Portuguese. A lot of the songs have some sort of Portuguese or Spanish element and lyrics inside of the song. And it doesn't have to be the whole thing. They just... Sophie does it in a way, and actually Tuck does it. He usually doesn't speak in Portuguese, but he does on, on wet tennis. Yeah, and like I'm just like, okay, I'm going with this. I'm going with this. I'm, I'm going to keep going deeper. But as soon as that song's over, like, boom. I was like, yes, I am mm. in. This is fabulous. It is gay. I mean, it's probably not actually gay, but it's it speaks to me as a homosexual man. It's got the house music. It's got the energy, the lyrics, or excuse me, the vocals, gorgeous vocals. Um, so I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you did. Did Follow anybody else have- on Culture Club? That's right. Did anybody else happen to listen to it? Andrea, Gary? No, but I want this journey in my life, though. I think I'm going to check this out. I need something new. This is very refreshing. Yeah, highly recommended, Andrea. I need to go listen to Larry Bird immediately because that just sounds amazing. Larry Bird. I can't, I, like, even me trying to sound like a bass, I'm still like a fucking alto. It's so the thing that, the, the thing that's hilarious about it is that Tuck's father sounds like the guys in Coolidge Corner in Brookline, Massachusetts, who have nothing else to do but talk about sports. So it's hilarious. Uh, Andrea, you're going to love it. Sports from 40 years ago, specifically, which I think is the best part. Uh, So thank you. A terrific round one of nominations, everybody. With that, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back for round two of our picks after these messages. 
have to tell you about these miniature gun models called goat guns. My guy loves building and collecting them. I was most surprised by the complexity of these models. They're really high quality. His dad and friends always ask about it, and if you ask me, these get a little too much attention around here. Shop for yours at GoatGuns.com. Welcome back to our Best of 2022 music episode. We're going to move right on to our second round of picks. And Andrea, you are up. So my second album is the self-titled debut album, Wet Leg. Uh, band Wet Leg album, Wet Leg, which who knows where that name came from. Um, I feel like there's a story there and I kind of don't want to know. It's more fun as a mystery. Um, I initially wrote this duo off because they wouldn't leave my for you page on TikTok. <laughs> that Chase Lounge song was like literally every time I opened TikTok, that song came on and I was like, I can't fucking handle this song anymore. But then I actually listened to the whole track and I was like, okay, I get it now. Um, and when the album came out, it was just uh, such a rock solid al album um, to go along with that viral track. Um, it, Cause it was one of those tracks that to me felt like it was, genuinely going to be a one-hit wonder and I would never hear from the band again. And then you listen to the album and every song is great and of the same caliber as Chase Lounge. Um, it's about navigating your life in your mid to late 20s. It's silly. It's funny. It's British. It doesn't take itself seriously. Um, the, they sound constantly disengaged and bored, but like in a really good Courtney Barnett sort of way. Um, you can tell there's a lot of influence from Courtney Barnett, Lucy Dacus, Sleater Kenny, um, just a, a lot of kind of like sludge rock women. Um, it's just such a beautiful album made by uh, a couple of women from middle of nowhere, UK. I don't even remember the city that they're from, but uh, I don't think it was super notable. Um a lot of people think that they are industry plants, which whatever that means at this point in the 2020s, I mean, the music industry is what it is. Um, and even if that, that is the case, I don't care because they're talented and they sound great. Um, my favorite song from that album is called Loving You. And it has a lot of themes about just not being the bigger person in a breakup, which I love, like, because the idea of having to be the bigger person in every scenario is overrated. Um, a couple of lines from that song, uh, they sing, I don't want to have to pretend, I don't want to have to be friends, I don't want to have to pretend, don't call me up, you fucked it up, I'm not your friend, I'm not your pal, which we can all relate to that when it comes to ending a relationship. You know, you wanna like keep your cool with them and like stay buddy buddies or whatever. Like, oh, we'll still be friends. Like, you know, you don't have to be friends. It's okay to not be friends with an ex. Um, but it's it's uh, it's my equivalent of Olivia Rodrigo's album from last year from Brutal. It's kind of along that same uh, theme and uh, relatability and I just, I want everyone to listen to it, especially if you got annoyed by Chase Lounge like I did. I loved this album. And again, I listened to it because you were like, uh, you were 
on the pulpit being like wet leg it's amazing and then they end up getting nominated for a ton of grammys like they're actually mm-hmm. very they've been embraced i don't care if they're industry plants who who cares oh no the music industry is trying to force someone on me that's never <laughs> happened before like it's just so silly but um what i loved about it and i don't know if you're gonna agree with me be like no you're wrong to me it had this kind of like indie rock 90s vibe to it and i was like oh we need this we need this Mm -hmm. right now in the industry it's just such a completely different type of sound and i we need to shake things up i think we you need that for music every few years and i think we're overdue um i just i loved the whole thing i thought it was it like yes they sound bored but it was playful boredom right Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very playful, very silly. Um, and it feels like an album that I would kind of come across at like my local uh, dive bar, like indie band sort of thing, like a, a hometown band that's like kind of popular, kind of not. Um, I could just like see myself like drinking a, a Black Label while watching this band and pounding shitty beers. Yeah, and I'll, it's so funny you say that because as I'm listening to it, I'm like, I, I'm sure they will be selling out stadiums soon if they are not already. But like the place where these p- people should be performing is in a shitty dive bar to like 20 mm-hmm. people who are like half paying attention and like some guy passed out in the bathroom and that guy is me. But no, I, I think <laughs> you did a, a great job. Has anyone else listened to it? Gary, have you? So I have not heard of this band, but I think Eric, you make a good point about, um, the ways that we can listen to all of these choices because I have some listening to do. Uh, So thank you, Andrea. That is the point of this episode. So thank you, Gary. And have you listened to it, Johnny, or no? I've heard Shays Long. Um, That one I've heard when I was over in London this summer, I, it was, it was pretty much everywhere. Um, And Andrea, to answer your question, they're from the Isle of Whites, which is famous for where Queen Victoria used to go on vacation. So (laughs) why's it gotta be white? (laughs) Oh, it's like, well, it's Queen Victoria. So what do you expect? Seriously? (laughs) No, well, excellent job, Andrea. Terrific second pick. Uh, I will go next with mine, which is Lizzo's special Um, confession. At first I was not in love with this album. I was always in like with it, but as someone who's been a Lizzo stand since before good as hell even broke initially found that there was something off about the energy. The songs are all good. Some are among her best actually, including about damn time to be loved and the sign. But over and over again, it felt like the typically chill and like breezily confident Lizzo was just trying too hard in it. Like how many times does a grown woman need to throw around the term bitch before you start to wonder who are you trying to convince of your coolness, me or you? But the more I listened to Special, the more I realized it is actually incredibly authentic. Songs like If You Love Me, Naked, I Love You Bitch, set aside the typical effervescent positivity that has defined much of her previous output. And while Lizzo has always been an amazing role model for self-love and body positivity, in Special, she actually lets us in. And she shares that she sometimes struggles to feel good about herself, to love herself, And I find that incredibly brave. And if you listen to this album, not as just Lezzo, Lezzo, Lizzo guessing you up, but also partially guessing Lizzo herself up, 
after the past few years, like, yeah, who has not had difficult moments? And how incredible that Lizzo, who is absolutely peaking right now, she is incredibly relevant to culture, not just pop culture, but like culture in general. She took this album to let everyone know what life is actually like for her. And in that way, it is truly remarkable. At the end of the album, she shares an audio note that she wrote almost 170 songs for this project, and she only chose 12 of them, specifically curating the ones that would speak to the world about all kinds of love, which she believes can actually change the world. And I'm like, yes, Lizzo. Yes, she is exactly right. Special really is special. And I'm grateful for Lizzo as an artist, as an activist, and just as a human being who is so full of grace and humanity. What a blessing that she is in these dark times, honestly. And what I really love this album. It took me a minute to get past my like, what what is this kind of like energy that you're trying to thrust on me? But once I made that peace with it. I was like, no, 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 no. She's actually doing a huge favor and being very real. So uh, has anyone else listened to the album? So I actually agree with you, Eric. Um, when I first heard this album, Lizzo's album, I was like, uh, it's trying too hard. I was like, uh, this is, seems very like typical Lizzo. But following her on social media and just seeing the amount of hate that she receives I, it makes sense. So the idea of what you're saying, is she proving to herself or is she proving to us that like she's that bitch and this whole positivity, body positivity and all these things? I think, yes, I think all of it. I think that she, again, showing us, this is what she's going through. She's going through all this, the bullying and stuff constantly, daily. And she's Lizzo. And I think she's giving us a voice um, in general, but just knowing that, through it all, she has remained positive. She's have done incredible things. She's pushed pushed culture further in a positive way for people that look like her, look like me, look like you. And I agree. I think this album now is is a lot is deeper than like you would just automatically assume. And I love her for that. And I thank her for just being so raw and vulnerable and using art and creativity in this way to to tell her story. Yeah. And I I agree with all of that, Gary. And I will say that if you look at what a year she's had, and I would argue that it's between Lizzo and Bad Bunny for the two artists that have had the biggest impact on pop culture this year. And I will gladly hear arguments from other people on that. But um, she's not only got this album, she had her award-winning Emmy. I think it won an Emmy reality show on Amazon. She has a special on HBO right now. She launched a line of of loungewear. Uh, she is just, I'm going to use a term that she would re- like repulse at, but it's a 30 rock term that I love. She's reganing right now. And the fact that she is releasing an album in which she's like, yes, love yourself but even me in this time in my life i have days where i i can't love myself and i feel terrible and i deal with all this stuff like i can't think of another artist who has done something at that level personally when they are peaking it's uh, it truly is it took me a minute to get there but when i did i was so grateful for it has anyone else listened to it i've listened to it i had the same feeling about it but there were some tracks that i loved maybe it's just because i'm 
maybe a little cheesy, but I loved the Coldplay album, the song at the yeah. end of the track. I enjoyed it. I mean, that also reminds me back when Coldplay was was great and they weren't completely high on themselves and they weren't gooped up at that point. Um, I also, one of the things that I think Lizzo has that is really hard nowadays is you know, there's not much of a monoculture anymore. There's only a very few number of artists, movies, things that come through that more more often than not, people will know who it is. I mean, everything mm-hmm. is so segmented. Everyone's in their own genres through, their, through different types of platforming. But Lizzo has started to make that cross into the monoculture of yep. what's left of it in a way that very few people have been able to do. And this year... I think she did it more than anyone else. Yep. Like she's my mother knows who who's Lizzo is. So that's some I mean she got she got shit for playing a flute that nobody knew about <laughs> that was in the archives. They all got up in arms about. I mean that that is something that someone in the larger culture can only make happen. So Yeah. 100%. And I want I want the opera Lizzo and the Crystal Flute. And it's all mm-hmm. about fucking dusty ass haters losing their minds. So, uh, Andrea, any thoughts on Lizzo? Yeah, uh, just echoing what everyone else said. Um, to Johnny's point, uh, she she is one that's sort of like broken through the different barriers to kind of become this huge uh, public persona. My 70-year-old Vietnam veteran father knows who Lizzo is and loves her, you know? Um, I had the privilege and honor and religious experience of seeing her in October in Detroit, in her hometown, and as me and my sister, and we've been big Lizzo fans just as, like, bigger women that have, like, gone through a lot in our lives, a lot like Lizzo has. Um, when she sang Special, the title track of the album, literal tears, just yeah. bawling our eyes out. And I've never, like, cried at a concert before. Uh, it, of course, it would be at a Lizzo concert where I'm, like, going from shaking my ass to bawling my eyes out. Where else can you do that but a Lizzo concert? I feel that is exactly what she wants. And I feel like it's the closest that liberals are ever going to get to a tent revival. I hope for their sakes. So um, thank you. I'm glad that we could all let the church say amen for Lizzo. With that being said, I will get off of the pulpit and pass it over to Gary for his second pick. Okay. So still on this, the women empowerment um, train, because I think this next person not necessarily like it, I didn't want to put it as like a honorable mention um, album because I think it where where it stands in terms of the writing and the reason behind it I think it is definitely worth di- a bigger discussion such as this um, is Megan The Stallion's um, mm. second album I think is Traumatine Traumatine and Obviously, we all, Megan blew up, um, came on the scene, and, like, we know her as the hot girl, you know, hot girl summer, like, just very, very just, like, playful, fun, and just, like, uh, trap music-ish. Um, and then everything happened, you know, her domestic violence um, with her boyfriend getting shot, and I think this album was just, like, a self-realization. Um, it was a reflection of how the media um, treated her, how the culture treated her trauma, violence. And I think it was just like her way of reclaiming herself, her identity and owning herself again. Um, I think that as fans, I think um, 
again, as the media, I think that we, we picked her apart and this album, like each song is heavier and heavier. And I think it is so raw. It is literally, if you were reading her diary, um, and it's in music. And I remember watching her SNL performance. Uh, and it was uh, one of the songs was a tribute. It was, she was trying to get through the song about her mom and the way that the support came out, but the way that she was, she allowed herself to be so vulnerable. I, I don't think that this album is for commercial success at all. I think this is a healing album from her. And, um, I love that. Like, I truly love that. Um, and I, I am glad that she is forcing us to have this conversation about around relationships and toxic um, relationships in the media and how we um, portray women and um, victims and um, in general, especially in rap and rap culture and then just culture itself. Um, but I, again, I think it just shows the power of music and art and how it's important for expression and sharing. And so not necessarily like, pick this one for the commercial side again, but I think it was just, it's a bigger conversation. And I'm thankful again for Megan for creating it. So Megan the Stallion. Yeah. Um, I loved Megan going into the album. Uh, I think she is one of two rap artists uh, and I'll say specifically female rapper artists who absolutely just dazzle me with their lyrics. She's one. The other is Cupcake, who um, <laughs> I adore, but it's a completely That's different okay. type of dazzling. <laughs> like, when is the Cupcake breakthrough? Literally never, because there are triple X movies that are less filthy than Cupcake. But anyway, um, then I listened to this album on release day, and I literally was just like, whoa. Like, song after song. It is like, you, it's heavy. And it, it, it's really well written. It is incredibly emotionally raw. But I was just like, woof. Like, this, it takes it out of you listening to it. Um, she's, God, what a talent that Megan is. She can do everything. And um, I agree with you. This is probably not an album that was she was looking to have huge financial success. I mean, obviously, you know, everyone wants to album be successful this was a message album this was something she had to get off of her chest yeah has anyone else listened to it i have oh go ahead andrea oh uh i have listened to it it's amazing um megan the stallion is one of my favorite female rappers to come out on the scene probably since like missy elliott she her flow is and her lyricism is just unparalleled in the unparalleled. 2020s and i know cardi b kind of like blew up when she did um but i megan just does not get enough credit for her her technical skill yeah for sure it's mind-blowing what she does johnny um i haven't listened to it i looked at the album art and this this will age me it reminded me it had the same kind of power and like kind of I don't want to say anger, but just like force that the cover of Order in the Court by Queen Latifah, her album from 1998, it was like her last rap album. It's like the one album that she got parental advisory sticker on it. So I was like, there was like a direct line for me from that particular album to, to Megan Thee Stallion's new album. So whether or not it has the same vibe, I just, just visually, just from the aesthetic, that's what I have. But yeah, sounds like something like that. 
it's it's really quite the work of art, to be honest with you. So thank you so much, Gary. Great pick. Johnny, do you want to close out round two with your second pick? Sure. So staying with female empowerment in a way, I'm going with Big by Betty Who. Um, so if you don't know who Betty Who is, she's been around for about 10 years. She first started back in 2014 um, with really Somebody Loves You. She also did a, in 2016 a cover of the Donna Lewis classic from 96 called I Love You Always Forever. On it, they both ended up on the dance charts. So she's she's originally from Australia, went to Berkeley College of Music. Um, she's very inspired by the pop and synth music of the eighties and early nineties. Um, I and I've enjoyed her. I I went to her concert when first time I went to see her. My friends got engaged on stage to somebody loves you. So I have always I always had a very had a good affinity to it. Although her last album I wasn't a fan of, so I didn't. I didn't really get into it. I was just kind of like, oh, all right, new album. It was just, it seemed a lot of rehash of the la- her last um, previous work from, from the uh, five years before that. Um, and quite frankly, it wasn't until there's this guy who I follow in social media named Joey from Chicago. I don't know. I don't know him, but I just enjoy him on social media and multiple reasons. But he was mm-hmm. incessant, incessant with his posting about big. So I, I think it was Stockholm Syndrome that actually got me <laughs> into listening to it. Um, but Joey, Joey was right. So, um, yeah, th- she still lives in that world of 80 synth pop, but it's it's grown up. She's not the same, just kind of young ingenue, just just singing about love or doing a grown up karaoke version of a song from 20 years ago. She really has gone through and done something different. When I like the first track, which is the title track big, um, I was like, is this an, rock set lost track it has that same vibe it was like the grandchild to listen to your heart um and it was like it's it's but the lyrics of it are empowering she's talking about being that young when she was young feeling insecure but i'm big i'm a big person i'm somebody who is just larger than where i'm coming from um and I appreciate that because who hasn't been there at some point? One of her tracks, uh, Blow Out, Blow Out My Candle, which was the first single released. I mean, that is the best blowjob you've missed in a song since <laughs> Like a Prayer. Um, <laughs> I don't think she was meaning it that way, but girl, come on. we it's it It's supposed to be about more empowerment, but really the lyrics end up sounding more like lackluster fellatio. It's like, it's like, <laughs> It's like you can blow out my candle, but you'll never put out my fire. That's for me is says it right there. I think the one thing that really made me say I love the song wasn't until the very last track, "Grown Up Score Apart." It is, it is such a divergent from her work before. It is there's not that upbeat synth vibe. It's her with a bunch with a bunch of strings, piano backing track and some guitars. And it actually made me, made me cry. I'm not a crier. I don't do that. That's not my thing. Um, unless I slam my hand in a car door. Other than that, <laughs> and I wasn't cause I don't have a car, but it was, it just, it was relaying about how friendships oxidize over time and how you could be so close to someone as you're growing up in those formative years, but then they become virtual strangers to you. And how do you deal with that? And how it's like, you still have those feelings, but you've just grown apart. I just, it was giving me chills, even just talking about it right now. Um, so thank you, Joey, wherever you are. Um, but if you haven't listened to this, this album, please do yourself a favor and 
get yourself onto whatever platform you have and check it out. Yeah, um, I have always liked Betty's stuff. I've I've enjoyed it. I've always felt like uh, I'm going to get in so much trouble here. There were elements of it that felt like student work to me. That is a specific project runaway read, but it's like it's technically very good, but it's deliberately trying to do a little bit extra just so you can be like, and you're very special. So it wasn't quite there for me before, even though it was very enjoyable this album was the fully realized artist absolutely kind of taking ownership. Like, no, this is my sound and I'm doing this because this is what I want to do. I'm not trying to impress you. Um, it's funny that you think that the title track sounds like a rock set song to me. To me, it feels very much like this is me from the greatest showman. It has that energy. There's a theatrical theatricality to it. Um, and, this is the dumbest thing I will say all hour. I'm actually going to state my claim on this. The Thanksgiving Day Parade was on and Betty Who was on one of the floats and she did light my fire and it was hands down the best performance in the, in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That is damning with faint praise. Absolutely. As we all know, watching God bless her, Paula Abdul, uh, shamefully attempt to lip sync. But well, she don't don't forget Mariah Carey looking so uncomfortable in her corset that I thought she was going to explode all over Santa Claus. <laughs> the Mariah Carey refusing to go through the actual parade route, being dropped onto a giant star, singing for five minutes and was get me the fuck out of here icon. But anyway, I digress. Um, no, but like Betty who completely stole it. Like I think I, I will put money that that little moment on that stupid parade, she probably got 10,000 downloads off of that because she did a great job selling that song. She's really, she has that fully realized version. I think it took a number of years and you're right. She, she was a student. A lot of the stuff she did in her, in her initial stuff was st stuff that she did when she was at Berkeley college. So she's grown and I'm, Glad that you were on the same page with me on that. Yeah, and good for her, right? Because a lot of people don't grow and don't see it through. I'm very proud of her. I know that's a corny thing to say. I don't know this woman. She's a big woman. But uh, I, I'm very proud of a, a student actually like being pushing themselves and evolving. You know, kudos to her. So has anybody else listened to it? Andrea, Gary? I have not, actually. Um, it's... Very, you're, thank you, Jonathan, for sharing that because very interesting. Um, and some of the songs that you referenced, I was like, oh, okay, now I'm, I can f envision the album or like the genre, um, but never heard of her either. But hmm. thank you. And she's very queer, uh, very queer. Uh, I don't know if she herself is, but definitely appeals to that area. She, has a, she identifies as bisexual queer. Yeah, yeah. Andrea, anything from you? I haven't listened to the album. I've never personally been a huge Betty Who fan. It's just not my personal taste. Um, but I did see that performance on the Stupid Parade. And even I was like, all right, props, props, Betty. Um, and it it did make me want to actually go check out the album. So that is my homework that I'm taking away from this episode. Perfect. We love to hear it. So thank you, Johnny. With that, we're going to take another quick break and we will be right back for our final round of picks for our favorite albums of the year.
We are back with the last round of our Best of 2022 music episode. Before we wrap things up, I want to ask my panel, where can people find you on social media? Uh, What else have you got going on? And were there any honorable mention albums that you wanted to talk about briefly? Andrea, I'll start with you. Um, you can find me on the Bird app and on Mastodon, Dre Souffle. Um, I've recently started an Etsy shop where I'm going to start selling more stickers and vinyl decals. So you can find that stuff there. Um, the shop name is Dre Dre Designs. I made it like 10 years ago and never used it. And that's what it is now. Um, and then my honorable mention is going to be a coping mechanism by Willow. Um, which was a really fun, less than 30 minute album um, by Willow Smith, where she really embraces her um, emo and pop punk side. And every track is a banger. My favorite is the title track coping mechanism. Um, Go check it out. Like I said, it's like 25 minutes long. So you don't really have a reason to not listen to it. Um, So just, just go give it a listen and make sure you're giving her those streams. I had no idea that was a thing. And if anybody needed a coping mechanism in 2022, it was Willow Smith. So thank you. Great. Uh, Gary, what about you? You can find me on IG at Gary Music Man J. Um, trying to stay off the bird app. Um, yeah. And I'm still yeah. new to t- TikTok. And I don't know how to work it yet, but I'm somewhere there on TikTok as well. Not dancing, but my honorable mention album is Regina Spector's um, Eleven Eleven. Um, it's a, kind of a step away from her like bluesy, jazzy style. Um, is alternative a little bit, um, but I don't know. I just I like when I listen to it, the, the album. It, it just it makes me smile. I just I mean vocally, uh, she I love her vocals, um, her piano playing, obviously, um, and I'm just glad to see her come back. Um, and I think she's an album that I, or a, a concert that I'm like wanting to see and I'm hoping that she is going to tour here um but it's a little departure from my normal music style so I love it fascinating thank you very much Johnny what about you um I am on mostly everything as Johnny Minogue including the bird app but I usually just keep that for porn um Mm. I also am on truth social as the fake Lauren Boebert um (laughs) I thought you were joking about that, but you're oh, actually real, are you? I, I I don't post on it very often. That's real. What, what what's real is the fake Lauren Bobert. That's amazing. And uh, I haven't posted in a while, but I'm there. And apparently, I have to go on Mastodon now, so I'll I'll be looking into that. So hopefully, if no one else steals it by the time you hear this, I'll be Johnny Minogue on that. Um, my big project is Tuesday night. I am host of. Trivia at Club Cafe in Boston, 209 Columbus Avenue, right in the South End. Um, And we do it every Tuesday from 8 to 10. And uh, we love to have you there. We have themes. It's a lot of fun. Um, And I try to keep it as as lighthearted and gay as fuck as possible. And you succeed having done it. uh, You do a great job. Thank you very much. My um, And so my honorable mentions are two. One is uh, Weather Alive by Beth Orton. So Beth Orton is um, a, she was, I first knew about her back in the 90s. She's very trip hop, um, kind of folk music. And I haven't heard her in a long time, but she came back with this amazing album, kind of in the vein of the work that she did on her album Central Reservation. It's very haunting. It's very 
it's very interesting. It's kind of, it's, it's very, there's a lot of feels to it. Um, but she also, her voice has gotten older. So she also has a Marianne faithful mm. raspy quality to it. So her voice before is always in the nineties was a lot more heart, like a lot more harmony, a little more of a singing longing yearning to it. But now it's kind of like, she's been around the block a little bit and it's honestly, whatever she's been doing, it's worked amazing. She's alive, weather alive, check it out. Um, the other album that I was on my honorable mention, um, is Viva La Vengeance by Panic at the Disco. Um, I'm an absolute humongous Brandon Yuri fan. Um, I came very late to the game with that, and, um, but I I enjoyed the album. I think it's it's still ties into a lot of the previous Panic at the Disco um, kind of bombast, um, fun, beautiful vocals, piano. It was it was like number four. My number three track um, would actually took over the spot that Panic at the Disco did live in. So um, I did enjoy it. I think I didn't overall. I didn't enjoy it as much as some of the other Panic at the Disco albums. But for this year, it was great. When I was on the tube in London, it was on every single station I was at. There was Panic at the Disco. Buy it today. Um, I didn't, but I did listen to it, and you sh- you all should do too. Excellent. Thank you. Is Beth Orton um, Bottle of Jesus? Was that her song in the 90s? Um, Central Reservation was one of her big songs. I think Bottle of Jesus, I think, was her too. Yeah. That is a song that should be a Drag Race lip sync, by the way. That oh, That girl. is a girl. Yeah. Maybe, um, maybe if that's, yeah, I think, yeah, that is her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. is her. Um, so thank Drag you for that. Season five. It's seriously. All right. So I'll do my honorable mentions first. There are two big ones that I'll I'll do. Uh, one is Years and Years Night Calls, which was like, I think out January 2nd. <laughs> like, seriously, it was, it was right at the beginning of the year. And it has some fabulous songs on there. I've become a little bit of an Ollie Alexander crush. Um, and Starstruck was out in 2021, but to me it was the song of that year. It was such a good single. It still holds up. And there's a bunch of other terrific songs. If you like gay and pop, you will love Years and Years Night Call. It just missed my top three. Um, it was definitely in consideration. Um, and then I am the world's biggest Dragonette fan. Nobody else has ever heard of this band. They are a Canadian indie pop band. And they were gone for, I want to say, six years, maybe seven. Um, And they were back with 20s. It was very exciting for me when this album came out. The great songs on there, New Suit, the title track. Um, there's a couple other real just vicious banger songs. The only reason it didn't make my top three is it's real short. Like if my one-way commute, your album starts to loop, I need more content after waiting for six years. I was so patient. Um, but it's great and I love it and I love them and I'm so glad to hear them back Um, I will be putting at least one song, maybe more because I'm the boss and I can do that on our playlist that you should go listen to on greatpopculturedebate.com. But it was, it was a, a, a very welcome comeback. And I will also say it's not on the album, which kind of drove me slightly insane, but they did a terrific collaboration with the Knox, another band that I, I adore um, called uh, slow song. And the um, video features Aquaria from drag race season 10. Um, It's a beautiful, beautiful song 
Aquaria is fucking stunning in the video. And um, that is a great introduction to Dragonette. And uh, you should listen to that. The other one I will mention, because if we don't, people will be like, well, what about this? Taylor Swift's Midnight's is a really good album, y'all. And um, I was a little iffy on it at first. It came out the same day as Carly Rae Jepsen's The Loneliest Time. I initially gave round one to Carly, but in subsequent listings, Midnight's is a really solid album. And um, I'm just going to mention it because I know it's like, uh, Taylor, whatevs. But God damn it, she's good at what she does. So there you go. You can find me at Eric Resniak on all of the things and make sure that you're following at culture underscore debate on Twitter for now, at great pop culture debate on Instagram for now, and at GPCD on Mastodive and Hive, excuse me, Mastodon and Hive, as we'll be slowly migrating our activity to those channels. Uh, big shout out to Mastodon already. They've been wonderful and they've embraced us and we're so grateful. It's a, it's a terrific community. If you're on the fence about where to go now that Twitter is being run by an insane billionaire douchebag who seems hellbent on destroying democracy, as one does, um, try out Mastodon. It's a little a bit intimidating maybe at first, but once you get past that server thing, I promise you it's actually very easy and really lovely gals over there, just lovely gals. So back to these final picks, round three, Andrea, take it away. So I want to preface this one by saying that my mother did me the disservice of not teaching me Spanish when I was young. And I am only six months into my like a hundredth attempt at my Duolingo Spanish course. So bear with me a little bit. Um, So my third and final pick is Un Verano Senti by Bad Bunny, which we've kind of alluded to already. Um, And I do just want to like, run off some facts about this album real quick because it is a juggernaut of an album for 2022 and i don't know if uh non-spanish speaking people in the u.s really understand how big of an album this is okay so it debuted at number one on the u.s billboard 200 it is bad bunny's second number one album and the second all Spanish language album to hit number one on the Billboard 200. The first one was Linda Rodstadt. Um, wow. The second best-selling non-English album in the U.S. Again, uh, Linda Rodstadt took that one. Uh, he sold 2.3 million units versus Linda's 2.5 million. So I wouldn't be surprised if the, he's already surpassed that by this point. Yeah. Um, it has topped the year on Billboard charts for Billboard's independent albums, Latin albums, and Latin rhythm albums. It achieved the biggest streaming week for a Latin album in the U.S. with over 356.66 million streams and the most for any album since Drake's Certified Loverboy, which was also a juggernaut of an album. Um, It is the most streamed album of 2022 on Spotify, both in the U.S. and globally. Um, It spent more time at number one on the Billboard 200 than any other album this year. And most importantly, which just like pulls at my heartstrings, it is the first all Spanish language album to be nominated for an album of the year at the Grammys. Not the Latin Grammys, the Grammys. All Spanish, first album, first Spanish album to do that. Um, that that's an insane list of accolades for anyone. Um, but Bad Bunny, he's like 25, maybe 26, probably. Um, and the fact that he's just achieved all of this already, and I think this is like his fourth studio album, um, is just groundbreaking. Um, and it just speaks volumes to his songwriting and the um, uh, 
honoring that he does to his Puerto Rican roots and the influences from his Dominican counterparts. He spent a lot of time in the DR in the summers as a kid. He grew up in Puerto Rico. Um, this album was half recorded in Puerto Rico and the other half in the DR. And you can hear that with every single track. Um, there is, it is just like a magical ride through all of the different sounds of Central America with reggaeton, reggae, bamba, Dominican mamba, bachata, all things Latin are present in this 23 track album. It's a huge album. Um, and one of the best parts about the album is it doesn't feel like 23 tracks. You know, you hear 23 tracks and you're like, oh my God, that's a long fucking album. No, it doesn't feel like that at all. And it's, he does a good job breaking it up into an A side, B side. Um, and uh, it it is the perfect summer album, I think, for 2022. Um, whether or not you subscribe to the idea that we're in a pandemic or not still, spoilers, we are. Uh, this <laughs> did still feel like the first sort of normal quote unquote summer that we've had since 2019. Um, and that's what this album feels like is just a perfect beachy summer. Um, it's about hanging out with your friends on the beach. It's about um, losing loved ones. It's about ending of relationships. It's about um, different political stances regarding Puerto Rico and everything that is going on there, which we don't have time for that. Um, it, and it's just a love letter to Latin music. Um, it feels like you're experiencing everything that he has experienced in his summers. And it feels like you are uh, creating a dance hall in your own house. It's just a truly wonderful album. And it just makes my heart so happy to see him succeeding, not only as a musician, but in everything else that he's doing too. He's um, becoming an actor. He was just in Bullet Train. He's playing a Marvel anti-hero yeah. soon called El Muerto, which I, I I don't know that character, but I'm very excited for it. Um, He's getting his own movie. Like, yeah, literally right. his own headlining movie. So They were like, you're great. Here's a movie for you. Yeah. Um, he is an activist, both in humanitarian aid um, and LGBTQ+. He stands up for transgender rights. He describes himself as fluid sexually. Um, he's dabbled in drag. He is really just this beacon of um, hope and uh, I'm like lost for words at describing him because he's really just that terrific of a person. And it just makes me really happy to see this coming out of the Latin community who historically has a lot of issues with toxic masculinity and for him to come through and be like, no, fuck that. Like, here's, here's how it needs to be. I'm paving the way for what's to come. What should be. Um, he's great. I love him. If you couldn't tell, um, my favorite song is Titi me, Titi me Priunto, which means auntie asked, auntie asked me. Um, and it reminded me of like Mambo number five, of the 2020s because he like lists off all these girls is Gabriella, Patricia, Nicole, Sophia, Maria, Talia. He's got a Colombian woman. He's got a Mexican woman, San Antonio, PR, Dominican, like just women everywhere. Um, and I just thought that was a really cute homage to, to Mambo number five, but yeah, go listen to the album. I hope you love it as much as I do. And I just get really excited thinking about it 
And I also want to say, I know we kind of talked about the uh, toss up between Beyonce and K-Dot for album of the year. I think that's my official prediction is that this is going to take album of the year. I hope it does. It, it actually is a really exciting race for that this year. Um, and we talked a little bit earlier about how, like I was saying Lizzo and bad bunny are kind of my two for like the, having the like artist of the year, just trajectory. And I, I actually think bad Bunny's only going to go higher. I think he had an amazing year. This is a juggernaut album, just huge breakthrough success. But when that Marvel movie comes out and it's not just going to be that, right. There's going to be a whole thing. Doesn't he also have like a design collaboration with, is it Adidas? It's, am I wrong? I hope it's Adidas because they need a new spokesperson. They do need a new spokesperson. It's there's someone, (laughs) I I think he's doing it with someone, but bottom line, um, he's, I think he's just going to keep getting higher. And if you're not on the, the train now, I would encourage you to do so. It's a really fun album. Has anybody else listened to it? I've listened to it. Um, I love it. I, I I listened a couple times, but I was really into it. It just wasn't necessarily a genre I would normally listen to. But I go, all right, yeah, I'm I'm behind this. Um, I was I was reaching back into my high school and college era Spanish to try to pick up on things. Surprisingly, I'm getting better at it. Um, but yeah, I I agree. I think it, this is this was a lot of fun. I don't necessarily no i haven't listened to it enough to say it would be album of the year but what i would say is that i thoroughly enjoyed it so if you put it on again i would be totally down with parting along with it fabulous gary have you listened i have not listened to it but i know him to be really culturally pushing like what Andrew you're talking about, like going beyond past the toxic masculinity thing in, in the Latin community. I've known the buzz of him doing that. Um, and just really been on un, like unapologetically himself. Um, I mean, and he's extremely attractive. Absolutely. Um, on top of being his age, super talented. Um, and so I, I agree, Eric, I think it's only up, up from here for him. Um, and I, I'm just glad that he's a good person <laughs> who yeah. is finally getting to the, the his flowers and the success. And so definitely, I think I also want to check out the album as well. For sure. Definitely do that. Thank you, Andrea. I'm so glad. And as much as Andrea was just like, I can't stop gushing over uh, Bad Bunny. Here I come because I'm not going to be able to stop gushing over my number one pick, which is Muna's self-titled album, Muna. Uh, when this album came out in May, I instinctively knew that it would take something massive to knock it out of my top spot for album of the year. And while there have been some truly excellent albums since nothing has spoken to me as directly as evocatively as indie pop and uh, indie pops Muna and this album from dreamy opening track, Silk Chiffon featuring label owner Phoebe Bridgers as a guest to the superlative single, anything but me. There is literally not a single flaw I can pick out of this album and I'm a judgmental bitch, but this album is just perfection. The lyrics are witty, insightful, defiant. The hooks are crazy. How many days did I have the hornball rage from what I want pounding in my head? And my God, it is so emotional. Runners high, home by now, anything but me, kind of a girl. Like they had me actually feeling feelings And I don't like that, but I was having them. These are all women who are like probably 20 years my junior. And I found myself thinking, how are you in my head? 
it was a terrific year for Muna overall, as their cover of Britney Spears' Sometimes was featured in the promo for Fire Island and semi-inescapable right around the beginning of the summer. But if you're anywhere on the queer spectrum, or even if you just like brilliantly crafted pop music that actually says something, you should absolutely add Muna to your heavy rotation. Um, also, it's really fun. I feel like I'm being very serious and it's very emotional and all this stuff, but like it's fun music. It's catchy. It, it, it like makes you happy to listen to. And then the next song will make you sad. Uh, but start with this album. Go back. Check out the rest of the band's discography. I Know A Place is off of their first album in 2017. And it is as relevant, if not more relevant now than ever, especially with the attacks going on in the gay community. Muna is an essential band for the 2020s. And I am just, I couldn't be more happy for them and this album. I want only huge success. Has anybody else listened to it? No. No, sorry. That's okay. But you have such passion about it. So, I mean, now it's kind of like, all right, well, if if you've enjoyed it that much, it can't be bad. I promise. Yes. And if you take anything from this episode, and and I was saying this in the TV episode too, like we could sit here and talk about the Taylors and whatever. Everybody knows about those. But the one of the reasons I put this album on the top for me, in addition to it genuinely being my favorite of the year, is more people need to hear about it. And I'm hopeful that this will maybe open some doors for them. Um, so do check that out. Thank you for letting me do my Muna fan club bit. Gary, I'm going to turn it over to you for your third pick. All right. So obviously we cannot do this without talking about Beyonce, of course. Um, listeners and panel, you all know Renaissance came and still here. Um, but I think it's, it was predictable. It's a predictable um, just like it was going to be a top album or an album that we're going to talk about, but just wanted to talk more on like the 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 culture reset that it was. Um, it's dance, it's house, is a step away from Beyonce's traditional ballad, vocal ballads, um, and I think that is what I love about the album. Um, and then it came, you know, it the first single was "We Need to Get Outside," basically like. You know, is conceptualism. Um, it's, it talks about being like um, joy and what did I write? I wrote just a reflection of COVID and being isolated. It's just move from that and just like be free and have fun. But I think what I love the most about this album is that it highlights the minority community and ball, ballroom. Um, yes, it is it's flavorful, but I think that it is really pain. Um, giving the flowers to to the ball scene, to the black and brown community. Um, it has, on the album, has like Grace Jones on it. Mm-hmm. Tim's, I believe is how you say her name. Like mm-hmm. it is phenomenal. And what I think a lot of people has noticed is that the interlude, like into each song is masterfully done. It is beautiful. It's sassy. Um, I, just, I just, I have not stopped listening to this album. Um I really feel like what people are saying, like it must be crack or something in it because it is, it puts me in a good mood. Like it is one of those albums, just like you automatically go in a good mood. Um, my favorite single on the album is Alien Superstar. I feel, I feel my oats. I feel like I want to put on my high heels. I feel like I want to strut. Like I feel so powerful and I feel so feminine and I feel like I own that and it's so unapologetic. And I, and it makes me like, I'm paying tribute to 
to that and through Beyonce. And I, and I love that it's so obvious, but for her, like, she's just like so coy about it, you know? And I like, I just love, I love her mindset. I love how she started a dialogue. Like she came on and she was a talk of the town and then she went away again. Like I only Beyonce can do something like that, you know, uh, and keep you wanting more and waiting. Beyonce, we're waiting. If you're listening to this, we're waiting for um, <laughs> part two. Um, but just some, just going, cause we are talking about the Grammys and the album of the year. Um, it has reached critical acclaim, um, is record-breaking nine nods um, at the, the Grammys for this year, including album of the year, um, song of the year. Um, it debuted at number one on both 100 and 200 billboard. Um, it is her, and it's her seventh album to do so. Um, so anything she touches is gold. Um, and I just think it's, it's very innovative for her. And, and I have not taken it, like stop listening to it. And I just think we need this type of music um, in this time. And yeah, if you have not, which that means you've been living on the rock, <laughs> please go look to the album, stream it, um, give our girl more flowers because she deserves them all. Um, and I do, I think she's going to win um, album of the year for this one. Um, so Renaissance is my absolute favorite album of this year. Um, so when Break My Soul came out, the day it came out, I was in Boston. I was with, I was at your trivia, Johnny, uh, and I was with the gays of the BGMC and they were all talking about it. I'm just like, I don't know. It's it's okay. It's like, it's fine. I just, I was looking. We were together. We were together and everyone, and I get myself in trouble with the gays because they're just like, what are you doing? Why are you not just like loving me? And I was just like, listen, I appreciate her as an artist. I've always appreciated her as an artist, but the music wasn't moving me. Then the album comes out. This album is fire. The whole thing, front to back. I, and you're, you said we needed this. We needed this. I think Beyonce needed this. It is sexual. It is healing. It's sexual healing. Um, and it's no, but like in, in all seriousness, like it is a really terrific album. And then my kind of reservations are break my soul. They did the queen remix of break my soul. And that is heaven. If you have not heard it, it takes what was already a good song. And it was exactly what I was looking for. That was the spice I needed that was missing from the original. No, it's, it's tens across the board to take the ballroom theme to the kind of end. It is exactly the album that I wanted Beyonce to make. So kudos. I'm assuming Johnny has some thoughts. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts. So you're saying the Queen's remix, that was number one. First of all, Grace Jones twice. Yes, the fact as that, she should uh, be. She gave props to so many black female artists of the past 50, 100 years. And I, I love she gave even a shout out to her favorite Destiny's Child, Kelly and Michelle. <laughs> uh, so and just include being able to include that ballroom, taking the what? All the white people in 1990 thought it was ballroom, which was Vogue, making that and it, it did it so much better. Um, I was so excited when it came out. I was, I think it was the first music I bought in a long time because I just have Spotify Premium, so and I have YouTube Premium, so I don't I don't pay for shit anymore. But um, when it came to Renaissance, it was actually my friend Kevin who was like, "Listen to this," and I go, "Okay," and so I put it on. And I go the fuck is this mm-hmm. the fuck is this um first of all let's get like you mentioned summer renaissance um can we just can we just talk about how she brought in donna summer into that not only was she 
I think she was in the Queen's remix mentioned, but she has her own goddamn song. Mm-hmm. And the bringing in Donna Summer, who I feel like, you know, is, you know, she is the queen of disco. She's she's got a whole street named after her in Boston now. But I think that she really did a lot of things that set the stage for people like Beyonce and a lot of the other artists of it doesn't matter what genre because she just you know she did so many things within her repertoire she was mixing you know disco and she was and but she also did rock she also did pop so it's like it was Beyonce doing a little love letter to that and I mean how many how many people did we hear all y'all unique and it's like it wasn't unique anymore when you said it but (laughs) when when you did their alien superstar when Beyonce did it I mean come on I I was when we were talking about this particular album. I was well. Number one, I was like, I think everyone's going to put it on their list, so I think everyone's going to have a lot to say about it. Um, but I just, you know, I, I I'm so glad that you know, Gary, you said it. I talked about everything. Um, I want to give a shout out to Big Frida. Um, yes, you know, I had the pleasure of working with her last year at an event, um, and she deserves everything everything that she gets so i hope i hope alien superstar i hope the album gets all the accolades all the awards this year it is my number one that's who i'm rooting for so i will stop now andrea you had not heard the album until we started talking about our picks right I live under a rock and I still have not listened to the album. That's okay. I'm so That's sorry. Okay. No, <laughs> I just, I have, for you. I have a little bit of a strained relationship with Beyonce. Let me act like I'm like personal friends with Beyonce. Like yes. I have a strained relationship. No, uh, I, <laughs> I've, uh, I'm not like a mega fan of Beyonce in the same way that I'm not like a mega fan of Taylor Swift. Like they are artists that I recognize are talented and are great and they have their problems and they have a huge fan base that will tear me apart if I say anything negative about them. Um, But I will eventually get around to listening to it just like with Taylor Swift stuff. Um, I will say I could stare at the album cover for Renaissance all day long. Uh, I want, I do want that like blown up and like hung in my, my apartment somewhere. Yeah. That's how I'm entering for my 50th birthday. Just, just like that. Um, so no, great job, Gary. Thank you so much. And Johnny, do you want to take us home with the final pick of the night? All right. I'm going to switch in directions a little bit. Um, so my final pick of, of the year is Red for Filth by Alaska Thunderfuck 5000. Um, if you don't know who she is, she was a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race season five in the winner of the All-Stars 2 franchise. This is her fourth album. So first of all, including a Drag Race album, uh, alum album is quoting another Drag Race alum, Choices. I mean, it's bold. It's, it's bold, but yeah. I'm I'm not going to call anyone in particular because it's it's not that's not what the point of this podcast is. But sometimes the quality, talent, musicality of some other of the alums, it can be leave a little bit to be desired. Yeah. I well, first of all, like Alaska had you know, first of all, she helped bring back the bitch track in 2014, 2015 in our album Anus. Um, I mean, although you still kind of had to know the show. So, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it's like, oh, it's still kind of kickity kaka kaka kaka. It's, you know, you still have to kind of know sashay away and all that other shit. Um, although 
there wasn't that broader appeal. I think Red for Filth actually helps to bring forth that ability to not have all of those prerequisites. Um, This really is a love letter to the pop music scene of the 90s and early 2000s. That's really all you need to know to enjoy this album. And that she proves that she's more than just hi or just drolling out her accent. It wasn't that. It was... You know, I initially thought that that's what it was going to be. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I love Alaska. She's great. Um, but it's not just it's not just bitch tracks. It's not just house music. She delves into pop house. She does ballads. She goes into even alternative music. Um, you know, she does give a little something for the drag race. She has th- throw in some girls from previous seasons. T.S. Madison, who was also on the Renaissance album. I forgot to mention that, too. Um that's why it's going to win best album of the year. Um, but it's like, you really don't need that. I mean, I think you looking at some tracks, um, they're talking about a love letter to the nineties. All that she wants. She does a re she does a reboot, uh, cover of the Ace of Base track from 1993. If you enjoyed Swedish pop and you enjoyed Swedish goth metal, this is the song for you. Um, it has harder beat. It's darker arrangements. It has something more than just, um, just doing a karaoke version of it. She does a song called XOXO Y2K, which I think is the we didn't start the fire for 90s pop. They talk about <laughs> flip phones, low rise, cowabunga, ecstasy, keep it in your Jinko jeans. I mean, that's that for me says it all. Um, you, the, her initial song, Red, which was the, I guess, quasi the title track, um, it's a standalone pop song. It doesn't, it has some of the feel of the, of the nineties, but it doesn't feel like it's just kind of going through the motions of just, we're just doing a track. It could stand alone right along with anything else. Currently. Um, the two biggest surprises I had was her song. Wow. Which is very rocking, which, which has almost sounds like it was Dishwalla or some 41. It could have been on a noun. That's what I call music in like 2002. Um, you can hear that. It's not just singing nasally. She's belting it's something i've never heard from her. i never necessarily expected that she could do um the video for the it was she's not even in drag she's just dressed like some guy who i probably made out with in 1999 <laughs> um and that's and shows how old i am but i i didn't include this initially until i saw her live i was fortunate enough to go see her and do a meet and greet but that's not the reason i put it on there it, it was it became and a frantic, erotic jukebox musical for this album. I was so impressed. I was bowled over because I just did not think that someone from that franchise of a, of a show, which I absolutely love, could do something that was that standout and that can live on its own. Um, I don't think people who are outside of the drag race world would even know what it is. So that's kind of why I wanted to put it on here to, because I want people to take a l- listen to it because it's, much more than just anus thing as possible. So check it out. I loved it. I still listen to it. Red was my number one song this year. So please check it. If you haven't done it, it's worth a listen. Red is a terrific pop song. It is super catchy. Like you, you don't need to know anything. You don't even know, need to know that the singer is a drag queen. I mean, lest we forget RuPaul's supermodel of the world 
This was a drag queen who had a massive pop smash that you didn't need to know anything about drag or anything. You just needed to know it was fierce. Red isn't the same type of a song. It's not like a pose and 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 flaunt. It's it's a kind of a sweet little love song. But um, yeah, I think it's a really solid album. And I saw Alaska live. God, it was right when I moved to Boston, 2014, I'm going to say, at the Battle of the Seasons. And this was when she was doing Your Makeup is Terrible, which is also, sidebar, a fucking amazing song. Um, but I was there. Were you there? I was there. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Um, and she came out on that stage and she just has a star quality to her live that is like an actual recording artist it is it is beyond just a drag queen and i'm not taking anything away from drag queens i'm really not god knows i love them but she has a power to her and i'm glad to see her being like i'm listen drag race has been very good for her it's been a terrific incubator she's made a lot of money off of it but this i do feel is a very concerted effort from her to be like I'm going to push it mainstream now and I'm going to see how far I can take it outside of this thing that has made me famous already. But what's the next stage that I can go to? And I think Red is a very solid launching pad for her. Does anybody else listen to it? No, no, um, I, oh, I'm not a huge fan of drag queen music. So this one wasn't even on my radar. Um, but if it's an homage to the nineties and there's as much like genre bending as you say there is, that's definitely one that I'll have to check out. Gary? No, I, Johnny, I love your explanation of like, it is, it's not the typical contestants making an album and it's just crap. Like, I actually like that. And I think that like your explanation just made me more intrigued and want to see like, and help her be as successful as possible by just streaming it and stuff. Um, I'm good. Good job, Alaska. I actually do love Alaska and she's so talented. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see they listen to this album. We literally stand an icon. So thank you. That is it, folks. Those are our top albums for the year. Did you listen to any of them? Do you have your own opinions? Is there something else that we missed? This episode is just the beginning of the discussion. Let us know your favorites on social media and at greatpopculturedebate.com. A big thank you to all of my panelists. I always discover so many terrific albums from these discussions. So I'm grateful for all of your excellent picks. And if you enjoy this episode, make sure that you check out Great Pop Culture Debate's other Best of 2022 episodes devoted to TV, books, and film, and all releasing between now and the new year. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Audible, wherever you follow podcasts. And also check us out on social media accounts for all the latest news. And if you haven't yet supported us on Patreon, what are you waiting for? There are so many great perks and we would love to have you as part of our little pod family. And you better buckle up because the Great Pop Culture Debate has plenty more for you in store in 2023. Head to greatpopculturedebate.com right now to vote in the polls for the season seven topics. We're talking best shares song best tv detective best queer film and best disney park ride i just put up a bunch more uh 80s cartoon um god girl group um film of 1999 that's just the beginning so there's great polls we need your votes then in january come back because we'll be releasing our patreon sponsored episodes which include best children's board game best song of 1985 Best Best Actress Oscar winner and Best America's Next Top Model photo shoot. So much fun. We look forward to an amazing 2023. And remember, everyone is entitled to their wrong opinions.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com